And of course, we're talking about uh, the supernatural. And it seems like just about everybody's interested in the supernatural. And uh, several weeks back, we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then in the next session, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we talked about speaking in other tongues. And today, we'll conclude the supernatural study on talking about supernatural guidance and how the Holy Spirit leads. Supernatural guidance, how the Holy Spirit leads. And uh, this is something that, that every Christian should know about. How does the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us? Now, notice in Romans eight fourteen. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, we're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, it says right here that those that are led by the Holy Spirit are sons of God. Now, the word sons there, if you studied into that word a little bit in the Greek language, you'd find this, that it has to do with mature sons of God or daughters of God, mature Christians, mature Christians. Mature Christians are led by the Spirit of God. Now, immature Christians don't always take their leading from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Immature Christians are oftentimes led by all sorts of things other than being led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, immature Christians, many times, baby Christians and you know, immature folk, are uh, a lot of times led by circumstances. A lot of times they're led by circumstances. You know, we shouldn't be led by circumstances. Now, it's really easy to be led by circumstances, but we shouldn't be led by circumstances we should be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, immature Christians are oftentimes led by other people. By other people. Uh, it, it's amazing. You know, I've been, you know, pastoring and, and uh, around the, the things of God and the church atmosphere for 25, 30 years, you know, give or take. It's amazing that, that most Christians that I have talked to over the years, like, for example, you know, being led. We, how, how many of you would agree with me that, that Christians ought to be led by the Holy Spirit and they ought to let the Holy Spirit pick their church out for them? Is, is that right? Because the Holy Spirit knows where you need to be. The Holy Spirit knows who your pastor is. The Holy Spirit knows that your pastor is going to have the, the, the message from the Word of God each week, the things you're going to need to hear, you see. Would you agree with me on that? But it's amazing that most Christians that I've dealt with over the many years, uh, they don't go to, to a church, attend a church, based on what the Holy Spirit's leading them to do, but rather they'll let people make that decision for them. In other words, they'll go to a certain church because their friends are there. Well, I understand the social side of church. That, that It's fine. We need to have social activities and all of that. But you shouldn't go to a church because your friends go there. You should go to a church because the Holy Spirit directed you to go there. Is that right? Now, is, is that right? You know, and, and I've watched this over the years, you know, uh, you know, sometimes somebody will get disgruntled with the pastor, the leadership, because he taught something from the Word of God that they don't like, and so they'll leave. And then, and then uh, uh, several other people will leave with that person. Well, what, what are those other people doing? They're, they're not being led by the Spirit. They're being led by, by their friends. Did you, did you hear me? So, you know, you need, we need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit not by other people, uh, not by circumstances. Uh, a lot of times people are led by opportunities. Opportunities. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, 
a door opened for me. And so that door opened. So that must be the way to go. Well, you need to understand that God can open doors, certainly. But the devil can open doors, too. Did you know that? Other people have said, well, you know, that door just closed. So it, it means it must mean God doesn't want me to do that. No, it might mean that the devil closed the door and God wants you to use your faith to kick that door open and go through it. Did you hear what did you hear what it just said? But people are led by open and closed doors. Well, a door opens, so it must mean God wants me to go through. No devil might open that. For you, you walk through it, you'd be destroyed. Well, the door closed, so it must mean God doesn't want me to. No, it might mean the devil closed it, and God's given you an assignment to go do such and such, and the devil's hindering you. So you were not led by opened or closed doors. We're led by the Holy Spirit of God. Mature Christians are led by the Holy Spirit. So, that being said, how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Well, the number one way that the Holy Spirit leads us, look at Psalms 119, verse 105. Psalms 119, verse 105. Go there. How does, what what is the number one way that the Holy Spirit leads us? Mature Christians, how does he and, and, and baby Christians, need to, we all need to be led by the Holy Spirit. What's the number one way that he does that? Notice right here, Psalms 119, verse 105 says, Your what? Your, your what? Your, your word. It's talking about the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Still the book for me. The Bible, the word, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What's the number one way the Holy Spirit leads us is through the Word of God, through the Bible. That's it, folks, the Bible. That's how He leads us, number one way. Now, it's interesting. Uh, again, I, I, I've been doing this a long time, talked to so many folks, and, and, I, and I've been guilty of this myself many times. We're doing better, though. Is this, is we'll want specific direction from the Lord. We'll want Him to give us specific direction from, for our life. But yet we're not willing to do the general things that we find written in the Word of God. That, did you get what I just said there? Uh, in other words, uh, we want the Lord to give us direction about a certain thing. In, in our personal life. But yet, uh, did anybody read in the Bible where he said we ought to be forgivers? So he's given us direction to be forgivers. Is that right? So, so if we're not willing to take that general direction, what I call general direction, where we're supposed to be forgivers, if we're not willing to follow his general direction, why, why would we... How, how can we expect him to give us specific direction? And yet you'll see Christians, and I've done it myself. Oh God, lead me, guide me, lead me, guide me. But yet we won't walk in love over here or we won't forgive somebody over here. Or, you know, we won't do these general things that he's told us to do in the word of God. A lot of times you'll see when folks are single and they're looking for a mate. They're looking for a mate. And, uh, you know, uh, I can't go into the Word of God and find, you know, when I was looking to get married years years ago, I couldn't go into the Word of God and read, uh, get chapter and verse that said, you know, Terry, you need to marry Diane. I couldn't, that's, that's specific direction. I can't find that in, in the Bible. But yet I can find general direction in the Bible that I'm supposed to not go out with people that are unbelievers. Is that right? So I mean, the general direction in the Word of God narrows the list down quite a bit, doesn't it? You understand? That we, you know, a Christian has no business dating an unbeliever. See, is that right? Uh, 
So, so we've got to be willing to follow the general direction of the Lord before we can expect Him to give us specific direction. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the, here's the big question. This is where it gets right down to what we need to think about here. Is what do we do when we need God to lead us and guide us when we can't go to the Bible and read verbatim in the Bible exactly what we're supposed to do. In other words, uh, the example I just used. I can go to the Bible and find that, you know, before I got married, that I, you know, I, I shouldn't date an unbeliever. And, and, and I should, you know, go out with, with a, a, a woman that's a moral woman, you know, a moral woman and a, and a Christian and all of that. But I can't find verbatim written in the Bible, Terry, you need to marry Diane. I can't find that. So we, so we need to be able to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us when we can't go to the Bible and find out specifically what we're supposed to do. It's like, uh, would you agree with me buying a house is a big deal? That's, that's a big thing, isn't it? Now, you know, uh, like on that, I, I don't know anybody that co- can go into the Bible and, you know, read, you know, you need to live at, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, uh, Main Street, right? You can't find that written in the Bible, can you? So you need to be able to lean on the Holy Spirit and look to Him to get direction when we run into these situations where you can't go into the Bible and find specifically what which way we're supposed to go. But it's good to know that the Holy Spirit has provided a way God has provided a way through, through the precious Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us when we can't find the answer we're looking for verbatim in the Word of God. And that's what I want to spend the rest of this time talking to you about, is how He leads us when we can't verbatim go into the Word of God and find what, we're, what we need. Okay? You alright with, with that? Because we run into that. How many runs into that almost every day? Okay? Now here it is. I'm going to give you a verse from the Old Testament and a verse from the New Testament. Let's go to Isaiah 55:12. Isaiah 55:12. Now notice this. Well, maybe I maybe I missed it after all. The Bible did tell me who to go out with. So to go out with who? Joy, but I wasn't in love with her. I was in love with Diane. <laughs> All right. Now notice, what do we do? How are we led? How are we led when what we're looking for, the direction we need, is not verbatim in the Word of God? It says, you'll go out with joy. Now, get to this next part. And be led out with what? Peace. That's it right there. That's how the Holy Spirit leads us. Number one way. The number one way. That the Holy Spirit... See, what is the number one way that He leads us generally? With the Holy Written Word of God. But if you can't find what you need written verbatim in the Word of God, like what house to buy, what car to buy, who to marry, what church to go to. I mean, like generally, you should go to a church that believes the Bible. Is that right? Preaches Jesus as, as the only way to God. Is that right? That's generally, but specifically... You know, you can't go into the Bible and find out you should go, you know, attend Summit Church. You can't find that. So then you have to lean on the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. So if you can't find what you need, verbatim in the Word of God, what's the number way that He leads us? Is with what? With what? With, with what? With peace. With peace. Peace. Realize, say peace. Peace. Right on the inside. Right on the inside. Peace. Right on the inside. Peace. I like to say it this way, peace versus no peace. Peace versus no peace. So how should, notice he said, and be led out with what? Be led out with, with what? Be led out with peace. You okay? Be led out with, with what? With peace. Now that's the Old Testament, but notice in the New Testament, Colossians 3.15, Colossians 3.15. 3.15. Colossians 3.15. says, let 
the what? The, the peace of God rule where? In your hearts. Now, that's not talking about the blood pump there. That's talking about your spirit on the inside, the real you. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, underline that word rule there. That word rule is, is similar to the word that we use for umpire. Like at a baseball game, there's an umpire. Have you ever gone to a baseball game? There's an umpire. St. Louis Cardinals, when they're playing somebody there at Bush Stadium, there's umpires out there. Is that right? Is that correct? And what is an, what is an umpire? One of the things they'll do is they'll call, when somebody slides into the base there, They'll either call him safe or they'll call him out. Is that right? And so that word rule there is the same, same word that we would use for umpire. We could read it like this. Let the peace of God um, be the umpire in your heart. Let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. So, so the umpire in your heart is peace. So if, if, a, if a situation comes up, whatever it is, and if, if, if you've got peace in your heart, then, then the Holy Spirit is leading you at that point. If there's peace, he's, calling, he's, he's making the call that it's what? It's, it's safe to go ahead. And, it, and if you don't have peace, if there's just... If there's, there's just no peace about the situation, then that's the Holy Spirit acting as an umpire, calling it out. Don't do it. And then you get into a whole other thing when you're being led by the Spirit of God, and I'll just say it here, is that sometimes God might want you to do something, but did you know that timing with God is everything? And, and, and I, I, I've messed up in this area in the past, and and, and you learn as you go, but there's a lot of things in life that God, He may want you to do, but you've got to get the right timing on it. You've got to get the right timing on it. Did you hear what I just said? You've got to get the right timing on it. And, and you could be doing exactly what God wants you to do, but you could be doing it ten years too soon. Or five years too soon, or six months too soon, or whatever. So just, you got to, you not only got to... Lean on the Holy Spirit concerning what to do, but not only what to do, but when to, to do it. This message today is worth its weight in gold. Did you hear what I just said? Worth its weight in gold. It'd be good to hear this message about once a month. You understand? So let the what rule in your heart? The peace of God. What does that word rule mean? It means umpire. Okay? Now, having said that, uh, a lot of times Christians, and, and uh, when I was much younger, I, I, I wanted God to lead me with dreams or visions or an audible voice or an angelic appearance. Did you know God could do that? Do you know He could? And you know there's examples of that in the Bible where he did. Where he'd have a, give somebody a dream or there'd be an angelic appearance or whatever. Or there'd be an audible voice where the word of the Lord would come to a man of God or a woman of God or whatever. And I believe that God can lead with dreams. I believe that. I believe he can give us a vision. I believe that. I believe that he could speak to us in an audible voice. I believe that. I believe that he could give us an angelic appearance. You need to realize, though, that those are the exception and not the rule. Did you get what I just said? Now, you've got to understand that. Those are the exception and not the rule. God almost never leads us with a dream, a vision, an audible voice, or an angelic appearance. Almost never does it. I would say that most Christians are, are, are probably never going to get a dream, a vision, an audible voice, or an angelic appearance. That's see those are real loud. Say say those are spectacular. Yeah, those are spectacular. Those are spectacular. You know, there's not a lot of woo about God. Did you know that? Now the devil likes to woo, but God, God, 
doesn't work that way. Now, he can give a dream. He can give a vision. He can, I believe he can do that. But those are the exception not to rule. Those are spectacular things. What have we taught you, if nothing else, that a lot of times people miss the supernatural move of God looking for the what? The spectacular. People like goosebumps. People like fireworks. People like, woo. That's, that's typically how God doesn't work that way. Now, he could, and, and you see examples where he did that in, in, in the Bible, but exception and not to rule. How does he lead? He leads with peace versus no peace. And, you know, even if, 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 if an angel did appear to you, you better be sure what that angel says is in line with the Bible and bears witness, you know what I mean by that, with your spirit on the inside. You know what I mean when I say bears witness, that you got peace on the inside? Because the Bible says that the devil himself, Satan himself, can appear as a what? Angel of light. Is that right? Doesn't the Bible say that? So, so even if an angel did appear to you, whatever that angel said, it had better line up with the written word and you'd better have peace in your heart. Or you just throw it out. Did you hear what it just said? But typically, that's not going to happen to most folk. Uh, did, you ever, did you ever hear the great Macedonian call that Paul got? You ever hear that? Great Macedonian call. And he had a vision in the night. You can read about it in the book of Acts. It's interesting. He did have a Macedonian call. He did have a vision in the night. He had a vision in the night where there was a man of Macedonia saying, you know, come on over and help us. But did you know as you study into that, and that would be a good assignment for you to do is, is look that up and study that. That even when Paul, the Apostle Paul, the man that God used to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament, even when he had that vision, the Bible says that, it says, you've got to read it real carefully or you'll miss it. It said, he concluded that that's what the Lord wanted him to do, to go to Macedonia. In other words, Paul had a vision, but he didn't just accept it. He judged it to be sure that it was right. Did you hear what I just said? And so, no matter how spectacular God might at times lead you, which he seldom doesn't use the spectacular. He sa- he's, did that make sense? He seldom uses, say this, God seldom uses the spectacular. Did you get what I just said there? He seldom uses the spectacular. 99.99% of the time, God does not use the spectacular to lead us. He uses the written word. And if it's not verbatim in the written word, what does he use? Peace versus no peace. That's it. Okay? But if he did use a spectacular way through an angelic appearance or a vision or something like that, then it had better, you'd better judge that against the word of God. Okay? Now, having said that, let's, I, I could go into the Bible and show you example after example where he did use some spectacular things. But most of the time he didn't. So let's look at some times where he didn't. Where he just used the way he operates about 99.99% of the time. Just, just peace versus no peace. Go to Acts 15, if you would. Acts 15. Uh, have you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? We just mentioned him. Was he a great man of God? Yes or no? Yeah. Do you think it would be an honor to get to serve with him in, 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 the, uh, uh, in the ministry. Do you think that would be an honor? How many of you think it would be an honor to get to serve with the Apostle Paul? So, so if God was going to uh, lead you and guide you to be Paul's traveling companion, uh, a lot of people would think, oh yeah, God would just, he'd have a vision for me, or he'd have an angelic appearance for me, or he'd speak to me with an audible voice. But you know, it's interesting, there's a man named Silas, who became Paul's traveling partner in ministry. And it's interesting how Silas wound up getting that position. See, a lot of times you want to get a good position in a good company, you need to be led by the Spirit of God. 
This, this could have to do with, well, what job should I take? What, you know, a lot of times Christians miss good jobs because they're not being led by the Spirit of God. Did you hear what, did you hear what I just said? See, this what message we're teaching today pertains to, to, to life as we live daily, you know. We all have decisions to make, important decisions. And here Silas had come into Antioch, and he, had, he, he went to Antioch, and he was there with some other ministers, and, and these other ministers went their way. But notice here in Acts, and he didn't know that Paul was looking for a ministry partner, but look here at Acts 15, verse 34, says, however, it what? It what? It what? It seemed good to Silas to remain there in Antioch. And then look at verse 40. Paul chose who? Silas. Now, why did Paul choose Silas? Because Silas was there. He stayed in Antioch. Why did he stay there? Did he stay there because an angel appeared to him? Did he stay there because he had a vision? Did he stay there because he had a dream? Did he stay there because he heard an audible voice? No, why did he stay there? Because it what? It what? It what? It what? It seemed good. What does that mean? It seemed good. He had peace right here in his heart. Just to stay there. And he got a good assignment, didn't he? Yeah, he got a good job, didn't he? I remember a minister was telling a story. It's a true story. It's an uh, excellent minister. I have a lot of respect for him. Years ago, when he was into traveling... When he would go from church to church and he'd drive in the vehicle. He was with his wife and two children. And they were at a uh, certain person's house and they were visiting with them. And uh, they got done eating their meal or whatever. And they you know, had visited and now it was time for them to, to leave. And so he walked out of the house with his wife and children. And they got out to the car and they, they were going to get in the car and the, the minister just stopped and he said he said let's just uh let's just wait a minute he said we somehow or another we, we just can't go right now we just he didn't have peace about getting in the car and going just didn't have peace about it so he told his wife and children and they you know they went back in the house and they visited for another you know 15 20 minutes whatever it was and then he said, you know, now, now, now I got peace. Now I got peace. He said, now, now we can go. And so they went ahead and they, uh, they uh, got in the car and they took off, you know, driving the same route that they was going to go. And uh, as they went down the highway, there had been a big gas truck. And, and there, was a, there was an explosion out on the highway and there were several cars you know, that, had, that were on fire and burning. And they clocked it back and they, they found out when the accident occurred. And had they left when they were going to leave, they'd have been right in the middle of that and they'd have been, been hurt. We need to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Did you hear what I just said? We need to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Say It can save your life. Um, notice in Acts 27, verse 9. Let's go there. Now, it said, When much time, Acts 27, 9, When much time had been spent, the sailing was now dangerous. See, they were going to take Paul, you know, and uh, he was a prisoner at this time, and uh, they were headed to Rome, and uh, he was a prisoner, and so he didn't have any say over whether or not they were going to sail in the ship, because he was a prisoner. And uh, notice here, when much time had been spent, and sailing was now dangerous. Now, let's just stop right there. Uh, shouldn't we use our brains? Should we use our brain? Yeah, we ought to use our brain. Is that right? Yeah, we ought to use our brain. Uh, 
it, it, it's it's kind of like if you're if you're going to have uh, let's say you're going to have a house built, uh, and if you're going to have a house built, you need to have a good contractor, right? Or if you're going to have something done in your house, let's say you're going to have a room remodeled or whatever, you need to have somebody that's good. Is that right? So, uh, so, so you know, we need to be led by the Spirit of God, all right, but, you know, we also need to use our brain. And what I would do is, first and foremost, I would uh, find three or four contractors, and I'd check each one of them out with the Better Business Bureau. I'd get references on them. Did you hear what I just said? And just because they have a fish on the back of their truck doesn't mean you want them building your house. Is that right? Well, I must have hit, hit, I must have hit on some people's deals here, huh? And, and so then after you check them out, and, and, and if they've got bad marks with the Better Business Bureau, you don't use them. Is that right? And so you, you check them out and use your brain. Did you know Jesus, the Bible says there was a time that he didn't walk among a certain area? And the Bible says because they sought to kill him over there. Well, he didn't need great leading of the Holy Spirit there. He used his brain. Is that right? Yet there's other times where uh, he would go into dangerous areas, but we know he didn't do anything unless he saw his father directing him to do it. So there's times he went into areas that was dangerous when, when he had the peace, peace of God to go. Right? Is that right? And doesn't the Bible say a couple of times where they were trying to kill him and he walked right through the midst of him and was unscathed, unharmed. But if, if I was having a house built or a room remodeled or whatever, I'd check out with the Better Business Bureau. I'd get four or five different contractors. I'd check them out with the Better Business Bureau. And, and that'll narrow down, probably knock two or three of them off the list. And generally you'll come down with about two or three of them to choose from. Now, can you go in the Bible and find out, use, use, you know, so-and-so, you know, use so-and-so contracting? Can you find that in the Bible? No, so you're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead you with peace versus no peace, right? And, and, and so then you can make a decision. And then after you make that decision... Don't ever pay somebody all the money up front to do a job. Everybody ought to say, Amen. Amen. Don't do that. Because they might take the money and not come back. Is that right? Yeah, but he had a fish on his truck. Yeah, he still took the money and run, didn't he? You know what a fish? That's a symbol of a Christian. There's more than one contractor that had a fish on the back of his truck that swindled people. Did you hear what I just said? We need to be led by the Spirit of God and we need to use our brain. You just get, you, I, I'm at the point now in my life that, you know, when, when they get paid, after the work has been done. Yeah, but, but, but they won't do business with you unless you make a deposit. Well, I'm at the point now that I'll get somebody that I'll just keep looking until I find somebody that they'll take the money when the work's done. But even if it, it, maybe you can't do that, then don't pay them all of it. Give them a deposit. You know, like maybe 10% up front and then maybe, you know, another percentage when the job's halfway done and then another percentage when the job's three quarters of the way done and then you give them the rest after everything's done. You have the lean waivers. Did you hear what I just said? That's just using your brain. We ought to, how many of you know we ought to be smart as Christians? We ought to be smart. Is that right? We ought to be, the Bible says, wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Is that right? So anyway, when sailing was now dangerous... Now, when sailing was now dangerous. Now, if sailing, is, it was a time of the year when sailing was dangerous. Now, I, now I'll tell you right now, I, I don't need any leading of the Holy Spirit right there. Not that I'm not saying I'm not dependent on Him, but if it's dangerous, I'm going to use my brain and not go. Is that right? Could anybody say amen on that? But Paul didn't have any 
choice in this because he was a prisoner. So sailing was dangerous because the fast was already over, time of the year and whatnot. Paul advised them. Now they're going to get some good advice. Paul advised them saying, men, I had a vision. Did he say that? Did he say, I I had an angelic appearance? Did he say that? No, did he say, I heard an audible voice from heaven? Did he say that? No, he said, I what? I what? He just had an inward knowing or an inward lack of, as we read here, I perceive that this voyage will end with what? Disaster. So he just had an inward knowing, inward lack of peace. Uh, Now, these guys shouldn't go on this trip. Is that right? How many of you, if you have any say over it, are getting on that boat? I'm not getting on that boat. The only way I'm getting on that boat is if they put me on there with handcuffs like they did Paul, you know, in chains. You have no choice. Because I'm ready to not get on a boat when it's sailing's dangerous, where we just know that naturally. And then you've got a man of God saying, I perceive this thing's going to end with disaster. Now, I, I'm out. I don't, I'm, I, mean, I don't care if we're going to Hawaii. I'm not going to go. Did you hear what it just said? <laughs> I perceive he just had an inward knowing, a lack of peace. He said, this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. Not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our what? Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken for Paul. That was a mistake, wasn't it? Was that a mistake? And I guarantee it to you, money was driving this thing. Money was behind it somehow or another. And I won't go through the whole story, but you could read it. You could see that was there a shipwreck? Yeah. Was the ship torn up? Yeah. And it's interesting because you can read on in there that after this, Paul uh, sought the Lord on behalf of himself and these other people that didn't listen to him. And there were some spectacular things that happened. And it's interesting. Did you ever read here where Paul knew that the lives, their lives were going to be in danger and that, that people were going to lose their life. But did you ever notice that Paul, if you read it, he got before God and he interceded and he changed the part of it that, you know, you can change some things with the Lord. Did you know that? And nobody lost their life. Remember, remember that? Now, the ship was destroyed. He couldn't change that. But he got before God and, and, and interceded and fasted and prayed and he changed, he, he got it where nobody lost their life. But there was a shipwreck, wasn't there? They should have listened to Paul, shouldn't they? Yeah. And did Paul have a spectacular uh, 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 leading from the Lord initially on this? No, it was just I what? I perceive. All right. Oh, I want to say something else to you. Between husbands and wives, you need to listen to this. When God leads a, a married couple, did you? He leads through the husband and confirms through the wife. I said he leads through the husband and confirms through the wife. Now, one example I cite, remember when Joseph and Mary, remember when God was leading them and told them, you know, that Herod was looking for, going to kill, kill Jesus when he was a baby and all that. And, and, and he told them to go to Egypt. How many remembers that? Who did God speak to and give the direction to? To Mary or to Joseph? To Joseph. Now, I can't go into the Bible and and show you where Mary said, Yeah, Joseph, I've got the confirmation. But just in doing this all these years, what I have learned is, is that God will lead through the husband and confirm through the wife. Do I need to go on and explain that, or did you get it? Got it? Now, if you're single, then then that's different. God's going to lead you directly. But uh, uh, he leads through the husband and confirms through the wife. 
And I've seen just a whole truckload of couples that have gotten out of whack because they didn't follow that. Okay? And I could talk on and on and on, but that should do it. Um, Now let's go to Acts 16. I'm almost done here. I just want to say a few more things. As it pertains to being a soul winner... most important thing we can do is be a soul winner. Tell people about Jesus. So when they die, they don't go to hell, but they go to heaven. Is that right? And, and does anybody remember uh, Jesus said, he said, go into all the world, didn't he? Preach the gospel. So we, 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 we ought to be goers. Is that correct? We ought to be, we ought to be goers. We ought to go and, and, and uh, we shouldn't uh, have to get up in the morning and, and, oh, Lord, should I go tell anybody about Jesus today? Well, didn't he say go? So what a go. Well, look at Acts 16, verse 6. This is talking about Paul when he was in his, you know, when he was out t- spreading the gospel. When they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were what? Forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And uh, after they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Now, it's interesting here. Now, now how did the Spirit uh, forbid them, or how did He not permit them? I don't know. It might have been a spectacular thing, but it might have just been they just didn't have peace on it. Why would the Holy Spirit tell them not to go into those areas to preach the gospel? Uh, because they might have got killed. But it's interesting if you study it out, the Spirit of God did direct the gospel in there at another time. Timing is everything with God. Did you hear me? Now, as I conclude this, I want you to pay real close attention. Did you know that the Holy Spirit will at times lead us to nice places? Did you know that? He'll lead me, the psalmist said, Psalm 23, he leads me beside the what? So isn't it nice when he leads us there? But you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us into nice, wonderful places. Uh, Sometimes he leads us into some precarious situations. But it's always for the good of the gospel when he does. Look at Acts 20, verse 22, and we'll close right here. Give me just a few more minutes because I want you to get this. Acts 20, verse 22. Paul said, now listen carefully. Now listen carefully. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 22, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. So by the Spirit, he knew he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. Not knowing, realize I say not knowing. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. See, when the, see, anything you do with God is going to take faith. Anything you do for God is going to take faith. And the Spirit of God was, he was bound in the Spirit. He, the Spirit of God was leading him to go to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that would happen to me there. He didn't know. See, when God, see if you're like me, I'd like God to tell me everything exactly what's going to happen every step of the way. That's not how he leads and guides and directs. He'll give you, you know, go to Jerusalem. And, and that's it. You go. And he said, I go bound in the Spirit, not knowing, except, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that, that what? That chains and tribulations await me. Oh, that can't be God. That can't be God leading me. I thought he always led me beside the still waters. Well, he'll do that sometimes, but sometimes he'll lead you to a place where chains and tribulations await. Most Christians I've met over the years would say, that can't be God. That can't, that can't be God. He wouldn't lead me there. Well, he was. Now, how was the Holy Spirit testifying in every city? Well, because every place he went on his trip to, uh, to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit was testifying that chains and tribulations was waiting for Paul when he got there. How was the Holy Spirit doing that? Uh, The only answer I can give you on that is as we read on, we'll see. Notice here in uh, verse uh, 4. 
Let's go to verse, uh, no, chapter 21, verse 4. Acts 21, verse 4. Because Paul would go from city to city on his way to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit told him to go. And uh, he said that, I don't know what's going to happen except the Holy Spirit is testifying to me in every city that change and tribulations await me. So he's going along, and in Acts 21, verse 4, finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. These are disciples. Not necessarily set into a ministry office. They're disciples. Thank God for them. We stayed there seven days, and they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. Paul, who is a seasoned apostle, said the Holy Spirit is telling me to go to Jerusalem. These disciples, who are not necessarily seasoned ministers, are telling Paul that he shouldn't go, and they're telling him through the Spirit. So now, is the Holy Spirit contradicting himself? Is God contradicting himself? No, he's not. It's real simple to see what happened here. Because, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit's telling Paul to go, but now these disciples are telling him through the Spirit not to go. What's going on here? It's very simple. And this happens all the time. Oh, listen to me. You can save your life if you listen here. Do not ever put your own interpretation on what God is saying to you. And certainly... Don't ever put your own interpretation on what God is saying to somebody else. And that's what happened here. These disciples picked up in the Spirit. They knew, whether it was probably, they probably just didn't have peace about Paul going there because they knew that when he got there, he was going to have a hard time. And they loved him, so they put their own uh, interpretation on it. And, well, God, when he gets there, when Paul gets to Jerusalem, it's going to, he's going to have a terrible time. They're going to, they're going to put him in chains. And, and, and so, he, so it must mean that he's not supposed to go. See, they put their own interpretation on him. And then they tried to talk him out of it. And, they'd, they, and, and, and if Paul would have listened, these well-meaning people would have got Paul right out of the will of God. And this happens every day in, 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 uh, with Christians. Did you hear what it just said? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Did you get what I just said there? Did God want Paul to go to Jerusalem? Yes. These disciples picked up in the Spirit. Yeah, if he goes, he's going to have a terrible time there. So that must mean that he shouldn't go. No, it didn't mean he shouldn't go. It, it just means that, that the Holy Spirit was getting Paul ready for a tough time. You know the Spirit of God will get us ready for things. Did you hear me? And that's what, what, what was going on here, but they told him through the Spirit not to go. That's where they made the mistake. Are you all right? Are you okay? Now look at chapter 21, look at verse 10. As we stayed many days, now watch this, as Paul's headed towards Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit was testifying that chains and tribulations await me. And as we stayed many days, a certain... Now this prophet, this is not just a disciple now, this is a prophet, this seasoned minister. A prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When, we had come, when he'd come to us, he took Paul's belt, now watch this, bound his hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Did the Holy Spirit testify to Paul that trouble was waiting for him? Did Agabus tell him not to go? Never told him not to go. Just told him what was going to happen when he got there. Right in line with what the Holy Spirit wanted. Now, just because somebody is a prophet... A lot of people tell you they're a prophet and they're not. Most of them that tell you that they are, aren't. Did you hear what I just said? Uh... But even if a prophet of God said something, doesn't the Bible say in the book of 1 Corinthians that if, even if a prophet speaks, it's supposed to be in judge, judged in line with the Scripture? But the point here is, is the prophet here, Agabus, didn't tell Paul not to go. He was just giving him confirmation 
as to what was going to happen. Now look at verse 12. Now when we heard these things, because the prophet just told them, said, look, told them by the Spirit, that if you go, you know, he, he bound, his, bound him up, so this was going to happen. But Paul knew he was supposed to go. But look at what the, uh, look at, listen to what the bystanders did. And when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with Paul, pleaded with him, what? Not to go to Jerusalem. Did you know that well-meaning people with your best interest at heart can talk you right out of the will of God? Did you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? And that's what was happening right here. They loved Paul. They didn't want him to be beat up or put in jail or whatever. So they're trying to talk him out of the perfect will of God for his life by putting their own interpretation on what the Spirit of God was saying. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, see, he knew what God wanted him to do, and he wouldn't be persuaded off of it. When he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. And Paul went, and it happened just like the Holy Spirit said. He was bound and all of that, but he proclaimed the gospel, and he carried out the will of God. You learn anything today? What's the number one way that God leads us generally? The holy written Word of God. When you can't find it verbatim in the Word of God, does God typically use spectacular? No. He 99.99% of the time uses what? Peace versus no peace. Amen? All right. Stand with me if you would. Glad you came today.